0: Hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in this weekend for Fellowship of the Rockies online worship services. And so I just want to tell you, thank you for joining us. And many of you are asking, uh, when are we looking to or when are we planning to start in-person worship services? And so I have some good news for you. Uh, We've moved to phase two and phase three through our phasing plan. That simply means that we are opening up the facility to Bible studies and to equip classes, some student things, some leadership meetings to where we're able now to come into the facility, keep it under 100 and be able to see each other either face-to-face or face-mask-to-face mask. mask. And so that actually starts this next week. I have some leadership meetings this next week as we talk about the logistics of moving to in-person worship services. And so I'll be able to update you more next week as far as when in-person worship services start. I just want to tell you, thank you for your patience and thank you for your understanding. We are doing the best we can to allow God to to direct us, and to guide us, is the way we go back into the worship service, resuming in-person worship services. Fortunately, there's instructions in scripture that we're following. So God bless you guys. I love you. I cannot tell you how much I miss you. And if you have your Bibles, you can either click to or turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through Through 39. We've been in this series and we've been looking at the book of Luke, specifically chapter 7 and chapter 8. We've been going verse by verse through that. We've entitled this series Jesus for Everyone. And then we've been looking at that Jesus is a friend of. He is a friend of the fearful. He is a friend of the hurting. Um, he is a friend of the lost. He is a friend of the sinful. And so we've been looking at these illustrations in Scripture. We've been taking Scripture and just applying it directly to our life and to our situation. And so this week, the title of this message is, is Jesus is a friend of the addicted. That Jesus is a friend of the addicted. There's, there's one of these things about, about COVID-19 and, and safer at home and stay at home and In the quarantine where where we had a sense of loss of control and and loss of structure and loss of connecting with people and, and loss of rhythms and some of those other things. And people have experienced some loneliness and some isolation. So counselors, psychologists, and for sure pastors can tell you this, that we are watching addictions increase at a rapid rate. And so when you look at this you can look at some of the statistics and some of the statistics tell us that alcohol sales is up like 50% during the quarantine and during this time uh, pornography use and pornography addiction is, is 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 way up and and there's some websites that have done, that they have done some things to try to capitalize on the loneliness or people at home more um the abuse of prescription drugs or illegal drugs is, is the, the percentage of that is way up, and 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 whether it's the issue of loss of control, of fear, anxiety, what people are feeling. But we just know this that addictions are on the increase in this, and even the addiction to like to like food in 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 a quarantine. Fact is, when we went into the quarantine, there was a group of people that started tw- trending on, on Twitter and maybe Facebook. It was hashtag COVID-15. It was simply meaning that now that we're working from home, the average person is going to gain about 15 pounds. And, and as I was writing this message, I was writing this mes- message in my home office this last week. I looked over at my trash can in my home office, and there in the trash can is an empty container of bluebell ice cream. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe this applies to me. I don't know. But we're going to look at a story in Scripture where Jesus healed a man that was dealing with a lot of demons. And the demons had like, like overtaken him and enslaved him and controlled him. And, and the problem with demons is this. Demons are conquered, not converted. And we need to understand this. And so Jesus heals this man. And, and the, the, the entire town is just crazy. The entire town gets mad at Jesus for healing this man that was dealing with demons. And the problem was this. The reason they were upset, they were upset at the economic loss. I mean, they were okay with this man dealing with his addictions and dealing with his, his demons as long as, as, long as he, could, he could handle it, as long as he could, he could manage it, and he could still do his job, and it didn't hurt the economy, and it didn't hurt them. See, they didn't really care about this man. They cared about what this man could do for them. They didn't, care, they, they didn't care about the spiritual issue they just cared about this the, the economy and, and what this man could do for them now for context, I'm just going to back up and start reading in Luke chapter eight verse 22 I preached these verses last week and then we'll get up we'll get a context as we walk into this and so verse 22 it says, one day he got in the boat speaking of Jesus with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. they set out and as they sailed uh, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down from the lake and, the, the, and, and they were filling with water and they were in danger and they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing and he woke, he rebuked, rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm and he said to them, where's your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled saying to one another, who, who then is this? That he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And a few minutes later, after the storm, they 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 land on the shores of Gennesaret, and Gennesaret was on the other side of the of, of Galilee, and it, and it is dark. And the disciples know this story about this man, this man that was dealing with demons, and and um, the, the, and they were horrified by this. They they were they were afraid of this because they knew that this man would become violent and he would run naked through the, through the city and he would terrorize people and he, and, and, and he had some bizarre behavior. Uh, there was a group of people in the city that decided to like do intervention and so they got this man, they tried to help him and they, they, they take and they chain him up and this man had like superhuman strength and he broke the chains and he kept terrorizing the, the, the city and so, so they tried to help him but you know what, they were at a loss to help him. And so when Jesus and his disciples they land on, on the shore and 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 they're walking through the dark, and you know, I mean I'm thinking, you know what? The disciples probably never follow Jesus so closely. I mean, they are probably close behind him because they know the story. And every noise in the darkness probably scared them to death. And then all of a sudden, out of the darkness, as we pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 38, uh, and he said to Jesus, that, the man. And he said to Jesus, and he cried out, and he fell down before him with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now listen, that would get your attention, right? I mean, but I I love how Jesus responds, because listen, let me tell you something. Jesus is a friend of the addicted. And as we walk through this message together, I don't want you to hear condemnation. I don't want you to hear guilt or judgment that Jesus is a friend. He's a friend of the addicted. And listen, if Jesus is a friend of the addicted, then the church, the church should be the friend of the addicted. And the church should come a, alongside of the addicted without any guilt, without any judgment, and try to heal them and try to help them and try to minister to them. And so Jesus asked him a question, verse 30, and Jesus asked him, what, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. A Roman legion was was a group of men of about 6,000. And so the Bible says many demons had like entered him. He was dealing with a lot of stuff. And the demons had taken control of him. And and he was overwhelmed. He was enslaved to them. He was overwhelmed um, to to some evil forces in his life. And it was like beyond his control. And so Jesus was a friend to him. And he, he healed him. And he commanded the demons to leave him. In verse 32, it says, now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave permission to them. Then the demons came out of the man, and he, and he entered the pigs. I mean, I'm so sorry to laugh. I, I probably shouldn't laugh at this point, but I just want you to know I have to point this out. This is a biblical rever- reference of deviled ham. <laughs> That makes me laugh every time. It makes us laugh in this room, right? I mean, that is funny. And I hope you're laughing too. And so that's why I went to seminary, just to learn stuff like that. Now, if someone asks, you can say, you know what? There's a biblical reference for deviled ham. And so let's move on. And, and, And the herd rushed down in the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And I want you to see the power of Jesus, the power of Jesus to liberate you from any addiction, from any sin. Listen, chances are we will never be literally possessed by demons. But there are a lot of people that are being influenced or controlled by an evil presence in their life. Being driven by addictions and being driven by destructive behaviors. Listen, usually when you study addictions, usually addictions begin with short-term pleasure. But there's long-term consequences to one's health and one's relationships and welfare. Some people call this short-term gain with long-term pain. You see, when you study addictions, you realize addictions are progressive. They begin with just a simple pleasure that appears harmless on the surface, but there's a a law of increased appetite with diminishing returns. And this takes over over in their life, and there's not much pleasure, but there's still a hunger for this pleasure that controls you. Listen, can I just tell you one thing that all addictions have in common is they take priority in every aspect of your life. Addictions can dominate one's thought life and sometimes termed a sickness, but all addictions are a, are a disease of choice, and addiction is really sent out of control. It's, the, it's, really, the, it's really the results of disobedience, and Second 2 Peter 2.19 says this. They, they promise them freedom. But they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever, over, for whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. I, I'm just praying and I'm hopeful that you would allow Jesus Christ to master you and liberate you from all present and potential addictions in your life. When you see this, this story and when you see this demon possessed man in Luke, it's a graphic warning to us of the potential of evil that can enslave us if we're not careful. At one point in this life, you realize when you study this man's life that this demon-possessed man was innocent, and something happened in his life. I cannot tell you how many stories I've been told in ministry when I was a police chaplain or our prison ministry or, or meeting with people to where they were on, they were in the destructive phase of an addiction. And they would tell me all that they lost, and they would tell me what they once did, and homes, and jobs, and professions, and all that it has cost them. And so, I want to talk to you today about addictions. I, I just have two points and some subpoints so that we can un- kind of understand this. I want to talk to you about living under the influence of a substance, and then living under the influence of Jesus. And you see this, and you see this in the story. And so the, f- the first principle is just simply this, and we'll just walk through these, is living under the su- influence of a substance. Ephesians 5.18 tells us this, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Listen, let me, let me just tell you, the Bible doesn't tell us that we, we shouldn't drink, but the Bible is very clear that we shouldn't become drunk. We shouldn't become under the influence of a substance, because it is destructive into our life. And the Bible has warning after warning after warning of the dangers and the destructiveness of this issue of this issue of alcohol. And so let me let me give you some identifying factors of an addiction in your life. The first one is this is it puts you at great risk. When you look at addictions you realize in fact is the Bible says this Proverbs talks a lot about this. It puts you at great risk. The the Ephesians said, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. I mean, he's talking about this issue of intoxication. He's talking about this issue of being under the influence of a substance. And he says, you know what? It's going to lead you somewhere. It's going to lead you to to debauchery. It's going to lead you to destruction. Here's the interesting thing about that word debauchery in the Greek. It signifies extravagant squandering of both money and life. It means, listen, it doesn't mean just wasting your life. It is the extravagant wasting of one's life, of talent, of treasures, of resources, of life. And when he uses that phrase, leads to debauchery, you know what he's saying? It's a process. It doesn't always happen overnight, it's a slow seducing, it's a slow process that leads us somewhere. But leads us to destruction. Here's another identifying factor of addiction: it causes people to go places and do things they would not normally do. It causes that in Proverbs 20, verse one: "Wine is a mark, uh, is a mocker, and strong drink is a brawler." And whoever, watch this, whoever is led astray, but is not wise, that phrase led astray means to wander, it means to, to, to wander, it means to go astray, it means to, it means no direction or no purpose in life, it means to misdirect, it means to seduce, and when you're, listen, when you're under the influence, you're at high risk, when you're under the influence of a, of a substance, you're at high risk to go places you normally wouldn't go, do things you normally wouldn't do. Say things you normally wouldn't say. And, and so Proverbs just continues on this thought, Proverbs 23, 29. He, watch this. He says, who has woes? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed wine. See, this? he's describing, the writer of Proverbs, is describing someone that's under the influence of alcohol. And he has, some, he has some factors. You know what those people have? They'll, they'll have woes. They'll, they'll, have, they'll have sorrows without cause. They'll have strife. They'll have complaints. They're going to have need, needless bruises. They're going to they're gonna have bloodshot eyes. Listen, listen. let me tell you something. There is a reason they call it happy hour. Because it only lasts for about an hour. Sooner or later, you've got to go home. Sooner or later, you've got to go back to the job. Sooner or later, you've got to go back to the relationships. Sooner or later, you got to face your problems. Sooner or later, you, you got to deal with it. Here's another identifying factors of an addiction. You don't see things the way they really are. You, you, that's the problem with this. You don't see things as they really are. You, you, you lose the ability to see truth. I don't have a problem. I'm not like them. They're lightweights. They can't handle it. I know what I'm doing. I can handle it you know what, it's going to be different for me. I'm not ending up like them. The Bible says this, and the Bible is honest, and the Bible says, let me, let me give you the end results. Let me help you understand that, Proverbs 23, 32, and 34. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an otter. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. You'll be like one who lies down in the midst of a sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. In other words, you, you can't see truth. You lose your sense of direction in life, and life can become meaningless to you. You know your house is on a foundation, but you know what it feels like? You're sleeping on a cruise ship when the, when the, when the seas are rough. Here's another identifier. You, you, you no longer feel pain. You, you no longer feel pain. Proverbs 23:35 they they struck me you will say but I was not hurt they beat me but I did not feel it when shall I wake watch this addiction when shall I wake sign so just have another drink listen you were you were made to feel pain if you lose the ability to feel pain you cannot get help you don't know you're in danger i mean a, a blister on on your feet helps us to helps us to to know that there's a problem with our shoes, that, that something is going on. When we feel pain, then we can correct it. It's very important for us to have the ability to sense, to sense pain. I mean, there, there's some medical procedures, right, that doctors tell you. We can't put you totally under. We need you to have the ability to feel pain, to warn us if there's a problem. It, it happened with my daughter. When my daughter had her, her second uh, uh, surgery, when they removed the tumor uh, from her brain, uh, they couldn't put her totally under. They says, we're, "Brittany, we're sorry. We're going to have to keep you totally awake for eight hours through this surgery, so you can warn us if there's a problem." And so, the ability to feel pain is important to us. Here, here here's a, here, here's another one. Here's another one. It can move you to an addiction without any warning. I mean, it can move you to an addiction without any warning. I mean, you, you can listen. You can run for decades, numbing your pain and never treating it. And then you can get to the place where you realize that it's, it's an addiction. And, and you can, what, what Proverbs says, I'll just use Proverbs language, you can move from a, a drinker to a drunk without any notice. I mean, again, Proverbs 23, 35, When shall I wake? I, I must. I must have another drink. I have to have another drink. Listen, the problem with addiction, see, the Bible, this is why the Bible warns so much about the use of alcohol. It says it can move to an addiction without any warning. And let me ask you, if you think you drink in moderation, would you ask yourself some questions and and make sure you're not developing a problem? Do you drink more today than you did a year ago? Do you hide your drinking from people that are close to you? Can I just tell you? You know what fuels? You know what fuels an addiction? Secrecy and denial. That's what addiction walks on. That's the legs that an addiction walks on. Denial and secrecy. Let me ask you some other questions. Do You get irritated when someone just asks you how much have you had to drink, or if they suggest that you're drinking too much? Can you totally quit for a week? for a month without getting depressed or irritated? I mean, are, are you willing to prove it? Proverbs 23, 20 says, but not among drunkards are gluttons eaters of meat. Now we're moving to meddling, right? <laughs> it's interesting that the same word of caution that is given to the drunkard in Scripture is also given to the glutton. Gluttony is, is a more... Like gluttony is a more respectable respectable addiction, but it can enslave someone. I mean, I have a friend that would say that you know, gluttony is somebody whose idea of a balanced diet is a Big Mac in each hand. I mean, but generally you can you can be a glutton. Listen, you can be a glutton without being overweight. Uh, you can eat so much that it that it that impairs your 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 body and and you don't understand the potential dangers of of eating too much, whether it's high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or heart problems, or loss of self-respect, I have, a, I have a good preacher friend of mine, and uh, he's he's now deceased. He was a mentor of mine, and and he was he was severely. I mean, he was obese. He was really overweight, and and I just never forget this. One time we trained about two hundred pastors together at a restaurant in the banquet room of the restaurant, and we ate lunch with them, and and then then we trained pastors together. All the pastors had left, and me and my preacher friend were walking out. We're walking through the restaurant. All of a sudden, he sits down at a table, and I says, "What are we doing?" And he, and so he called the waiter over, and And he said, bring us one of everything on your dessert menu. And I just looked at him shocked and I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah. He said, most people when they finish a meal need to get up and say, excuse me. When I finish a meal, I need to get up and say, forgive me. And so he knew it was a he knew it was a problem. And and you know, when you look at this, as I'm writing this sermon in my home office, I started having these thoughts of these double tree chocolate chip cookies that are in our, our freezer. I mean these things are amazing. If you ever have one of them, you will throw rocks at regular chocolate chip cookies. And so they're in the freezer. I moved them in the freezer just to slow down the process. I couldn't get this off of my mind. I mean that I mean it was just this overwhelming thought. And here's what I learned. I could go get them out of the freezer when Karen wasn't home. I could get them out of the freezer 23 minutes in the microwave, and it feel it, it feels like they're just coming out of the oven. I mean, it's amazing about this stuff, about these Thoughts. I mean, but you can also be addicted to, to painkillers and, and prescription drugs. Remember when Gret, Brett Favre, Hall of Fame quarterback of the Green Packers, came out and said he had an addiction to painkillers? I never will forget two sentences that he said. He says, You can be a slave to pills. You think you can cope without them. And I'm learning that you can. Listen, Jesus is a friend of the addicted because he has the power to liberate. The second and the last principle is this, is living under the control of Jesus. Just learning to live under the control of Jesus. We're just going to walk through this story, and I'm going to help you. I I really want this sermon to be more pastoral. I I just want to help you if you're struggling with that or if you have a friend that's struggling with this. Luke chapter 8, verse 31, And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss, and now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what happened, they fled and told it to the city or, or, and in the country. Then people went out to see what happened, and they came to Jesus and watched this. And now they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Totally different picture. Clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. He had been demon-possessed by, by many demons, what the Scripture says, and now he's controlled by Jesus Christ. He was irrational. Now he's in his right mind. He was naked. Now he's clothed. He was alienated from friends and people, and he was living alone in tombs, and now he's with people, family, sitting, sitting with Jesus. He was tormented in his hurt, in his heart, and the scripture says, and now he's peaceful. Man, if if you're struggling with addiction or if you're edging close to developing a problem, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ wants to be your best friend. Several things you have to do if you want healing, several things you have to do if you want to break this, and it's a process. I get it. The first thing is this you have to admit that you need help. You have to come to the place, you just admit, you admit your addiction. You admit you need help. See, this is why it's find it so interesting. When Jesus first met this man on the shore, and Jesus says, what is your name? And the man says, my name is Legion. You know what? He didn't tell him his name. You know what he told him? He told him his addiction. He told him what he was dealing with. He admitted he had a problem. He admitted Jesus brought him to the place. What are you dealing with? What is your name? And he said, Legion. I've been enslaved by many demons. So the first thing is this, is you have to go, come to the place and just be honest with yourself and honest with people around you and just admit that you have a problem. The second thing is this, if you haven't done so, you need to give your life completely to Jesus Christ. Normally I end with a principle like this and I lead you to a decision, but 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 in this case I can't do that because healing starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Healing starts with giving giving all of your life to Christ, to where he influences you and not something else. And you see this all through the scripture. Listen, let me just tell you, you cannot do this on your own. But you can do it through Christ, who is willing to strengthen you and help you. Listen, if you haven't already done so, give your life completely and totally to Jesus Christ. Sit at his feet. Allow him to influence you. The next thing is this, if you, if you want to find freedom is determined that you want to be liberated, not just forgiven. There's a difference in that. Determine that, you know what, I want to be set free of this. I want to be liberated, not just forgiven. C.S. Lewis is famous of saying this. He, he, He once said, people pray, Lord, help me to overcome the sin, but not just yet. In other words, take away the consequences. Help me manage this. I mean, Jesus, there's a story of Jesus where Jesus encountered a man that had been disabled for like 38 years, and the first thing Jesus asked him is, do you want to get, hit? Do you want to get well? I would ask you, do you want freedom? Are you tired of this? Do, 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 you want, do you want to get well? I mean, when you look at this, and you just need to understand this, if you don't really want to get well, Jesus is not going to force himself on you. You, individually, your friends can't do this for you, your family can't do this for you, a supervisor can't do this for you, a church member can't do this for you. I mean, it's a decision you have to make. Do you want to get well? Here's another thing. If you're going to find freedom in this, be accountable to another believer. Just be accountable to another believer. This is the proof of your desire. And listen, it, it takes a lot of humility. James 5.16 tells us this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You see, it takes denial and secrecy to keep an addiction going. That's the legs that that, 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 that an addiction walks on. Secrecy and denial you know what the legs that we walk on for freedom is, is this issue of confession and openness. Confession and openness breaks the chains of addiction in, the, in our life. So you have to have the courage and you have to have humility to come to the place and to select one or two people around you and say, you know what, I'm going to be totally honest and totally transparent with you. I, I, I'm going to be accountable to you. I'm going to I need you to hold me accountable. And I'm going to be honest with you cuz listen when someone's listen when someone's dealing with an addiction, you know the most damaging thing to the friendships around you is this issue of this issue of secrecy. This issue of of hiding your addiction when you're telling them I'm I'm getting clean and I'm not doing anything. And then they find out later you haven't been totally honest with them, it just, it just breaks trust. And sometimes that's a trust that's hard to rebuild. Finding one or two people in your life that you say, you know, I'm going to be totally honest with you, and I'm going to ask that you hold me accountable, but when I'm struggling, I'm going to tell you. When I fall off the wagon, I'm going to tell you. Because I can't continue to live in denial and secrecy. I have to live in this issue of a confession and openness because I need help. Here's another one. As much as possible, remove the temptation out of your life. As much as possible, remove the temptation out of your life. One man quit smoking and somebody else said, how'd you do that? He says, oh, it's easy. I just wet all my matches. Whatever it takes. You have to remove the the temptation out of your life. Verses 38 and 39 in Luke chapter 8 says, then the man from whom the demons had gone Begged that, that he might be with them, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home. You know what Jesus is doing? You need new friends. You need a new location. Go back to your home. Go back to your family. family. Go back to your friends. Go back to healthy relationships. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. We have to understand the the consequences. If you're struggling, empty out the painkillers. Cancel the movie channel. Tell your doctor not to renew the prescription. Put the computer in the family room. Get get software that that emails all the websites that you visited to someone that's going to hold you accountable. Get some new friends. Go to choose some new places to go to Come into community with, with, with some believers. Avoid the places that, that tempt you. In other words, take some action just like this man. Take some action that demonstrates to God and to yourself that you seriously, you seriously want to be liberated in this. So this man, this man does just what Jesus had told them, and, and he went all over town telling everybody what Jesus had done for them, for him when you get your listen when you get your mind off your temptations and helping others it empowers you when you remind yourself what god has done for you something happens in your life and the last thing is just is just simply this anticipate op- opposition from some of your some of your friends you have to it, listen just like in the story and just like in the story of anyone breaking an addiction not everybody's going to ha- be happy with you. So you have to anticipate some opposition from, 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 from your friends. It's true in this story, verse 37. Then all the people of the surrounding country of, of the Gennaserus asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So, fear, so he got into the boat and he returned. Now you think the people in this, in this area would be delighted. You think they would be happy. I mean, he's now a saved man, the demons have been cast out, he's a new person. You think that they would be delighted that that, 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 that he was healed, but a herd of pigs was destroyed. Jesus had interrupted, in other words, Jesus had interrupted their, their routine. He had threatened their, their economy, he had threatened their way of life. Isn't it strange how the world will get up in arms about the truth of the Scriptures, about the truth of Jesus Christ? I mean, they didn't want him around. They didn't want to hear it. I mean, he threatened their lifestyle. He threatened their choices. He threatened their economy. Listen, let me just tell you, if you, if you break an addiction in your life, there will be some people, there will be some friends around you that will not like it, the ones that were cheering you on and the one that was saying it was no big deal— I mean, there will be some people that will not like it. They will say some things like, you, you know, you, you've gone off the deep end. You, you've become a, a Bible thumper. You're like this Jesus freak, and, and, the, and, and you've exaggerated the problem in your life. And, and some will tell you, you know what, you're no fun to be around anymore. We don't even like hanging out with you anymore. Well, you know what? There's a country song out, and it says, you ain't much fun since I quit drinking. You know what? It goes both ways. It just goes both ways. And what Jesus told this man, that if you're going to break this addiction, you need some new friends. You need some new surroundings. You need to move away from the addiction. So don't be surprised if you break an addiction that some of your friends won't be totally excited about your transformation. In fact, the reason Jesus told this man and the reason when we break addiction We change locations because some of those friends will tempt you to go back to your old way of life. They'll entice you to go back. Listen, you cannot break an addiction in your life that chains you, that puts you in chains, that restricts you, no matter how capable, intelligent, or respectable you are. But there's a heavenly Father that is waiting for you. A friend of the addicted, there's a church that would love nothing more than to come alongside of you and bring you into community and help you through this process. To find freedom and forgiveness in your life. Listen, you cannot do this on your own. If you haven't completely given your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you need to do that today. So so, Lord Jesus, to the very best of my ability, I just simply want to sit at your feet. I want you to influence me and not this thing in my life that is destroying my job or my relationships or my family or my friends. That I ask you to come into my life, that I ask you to forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. You know what, maybe you've already done that. And maybe you're a believer and maybe... Maybe there's something in your life and you you just need to recommit your life to him. And say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to sit at your feet. And I'm going to learn what it means to walk in freedom. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me just pray for you. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, we just thank you for the power of your name, and Lord, we ask you that you would make us aware that you're a friend of the addicted. May we not hear condemnation. May we not hear guilt. May we simply hear a loving Father that wants the best for us. This is just come home. Let me break that in your life with you. Let me give you freedom. Let me give you peace. Let me give you comfort. Father, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being with us this weekend on our online services. Listen, if you've made a decision of any kind, we would love to know about that. There's there's several ways that you can respond. You can click the connect card button and you can fill out that connect card and give us any information that you'd like to give us. Maybe you want to follow him in Believer's Baptism. Maybe you need to mark this. Then we would love to know about that. We would love to help take you through that process. Maybe right now, maybe you'd say, I just need someone to pray with. Well, you can click that button as well. There's a there's a request prayer button. If you'll click that, then one of our prayer partners will join you in a private online prayer room, and then they would love to text back and forth with you or chat and pray for you. And so whatever, whatever decision, whatever your next step is, would you just take it? God bless you. I love you guys, and I cannot wait to see you in person, face-to-face. May you have a great week.